0: going to go to chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Do you stand with me as we read God's word? By the way, let me say from my heart, I cannot tell you men who pray what an encouragement your prayers are to me, and I am deeply grateful When thou dost lift up thy voices and cry out to God for any of the burdens on your heart. the Prayers of, God, of God's people are a living thing. We don't want a dead, snoreful prayer meeting. We want men coming and talking to God on behalf of his people. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. This is God's word. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness. And walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. My Father in heaven, these are thy precious children. Thou dost love them with a love beyond our ability to comprehend even to describe, except to point to Christ and to point to thy word, to point to thy providences in our lives and say, I knowest that thou dost love me, O God. I pray all of thy children can lay their head on that pillow every evening. The love of God, the unchanging, the unchanging love of God. Help us now to drink at the fountain of life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. In part one of this message, we learned that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all because of that john says to christ blood-bought people if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. This is a remarkable contrast. It's one given to us in words that are very familiar to us. Darkness, light. We all understand those terms in greater and lesser degrees. John gives us the notion of God as light to set before us his astounding holiness, his high and glorious and magnificent holiness. He speaks of darkness as being outside of Christ in bondage to sin. But he gives us those words that should give us pause to uh, contemplate if not even to tremble. If we say that we know him but we walk in darkness we don't know him. We are lost. John is perhaps the most sobering Of the apostles in his writing. But he's very clear, he's very simple, and he's very powerful. John further says, Hereby we do know that we know him. Throughout this letter, John makes it clear that he wants. God's people to know to know that they know God this is one of the reasons he gives such sharp contrasts he wants us to know and he wants us to know with that knowledge that comes from the power of God's spirit enlightening the word that is something that we cannot work up But it is something that God graciously gives. Hereby we do know by this. We know that we know him. And I imagine that if most of us walked the street and stopped people and say, are you a Christian? And if they answered in the affirmative. And you said to them, how do you know that you know God? I've heard people say, well, you know that you know. Now, there's a certain truth to that, but that isn't what John says. He gives us steps. He gives us very clear statements about how we can know. And some of them are very troubling, depending on how we understand the grace of God. Hereby, we do know that we know him. As I mentioned last week, it doesn't say when we walked an aisle, shook the preacher's hand, prayed a prayer, sat around the campfire and had a quiver at camp. He doesn't say that, not putting all those things down. Some of them we should put away. The fact of the matter is, he says something that's shocking. Here's how you know that you know him. If we keep his commandments. If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments... Is a liar. Now we always told our children. Be very careful when you use that word liar. Don't just spit it out at people. Don't just use it as a club to hit somebody. You need to make sure that someone is indeed. Not telling the truth before you hang that sign on them. Because Satan is the father of lies. As John Bunyan said. Satan is the father. The human heart is the womb. And it gives birth to that brat, the lie. John doesn't have any problem using that word. He says, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't walk in God's commandments, you're a liar. How would that fly? If somebody really preached that on the radio. Really preached that on the internet. Pressed it for what it says. Now, he's not saying keeping the commandments save you. That isn't what he's saying. He isn't even implying that. What he's saying is that we know that we have come to walk in the light. When we walk in our Lord's commands we delight to walk in them we know that he's done something we know that he's worked in our hearts we know that he's opened our eyes he's opened our ears because we hear his commands and we want them and we love them and we find them to be life even when they're hard now keep this in mind Hereby we do know if we know, uh, that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. In other words, it means when they say, I love Jesus, they don't. Unless they're walking with him. The truth is not in them. The Spirit has not opened their hearts. They might have gotten a lot of religion somewhere. It's available all over the place. That's why he goes on to say, He that saith, I abide, or he abideth in him, in Christ, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. How did he walk? He walked in the commandments of his father, and he loved them. Is that not how he walked? Of course, that particular verse could be a series of messages. How did Jesus walk? Well, we know this. He walked loving his father, saying what his father wanted him to say, And doing what his father wanted him to do. We can make it that simple. Now that should be us too. We're not the same version of the son of God. We're weak and feeble. And we're always dragging around this flesh. But we can't use that. To deny the miracle of the new birth. We have. uh, We have been born of God's Spirit, or we have not been. That's one of those things where you cannot say, well, if, you, if you're asked, are you born again? The answer cannot be, well, sort of. You are or you're not. It is like being pregnant. You are or you're not. So, John is talking in those kind of black and white terms God is light he's pure holiness and his people should walk in that light and reflect that light holiness of life is what he's saying and that holiness is seen not because we criticize people and think that we're better than they are but because we love our master's voice and we want to do what he wants us to do. The first commandment of Christ that John takes up after saying we need to keep his commandments, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Well, he goes right to a commandment. That first commandment is the old and new commandment, which God's people had heard from the beginning. It's Christ's new covenant commandment, a new commandment. I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. I mean, our our culture so despises authority that it doesn't, it, it despises the terms commands unless they're giving it. We know that the love one another commandment is what John is referring to because in his second epistle, as we covered last week, he says, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning that we love one another. It's very clear what he means. This laid the foundation for our first heading in part one. Which arose from chapter 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. In other words, all those who profess to be Christians but disobey Christ's command to love his children as he does hates a brother or sister in Christ. And if that's the case, in reality, that person is a liar who is not walking in the light with Jesus Christ. Pastor, I mean, that pastor that I went to and walked that aisle and shook his hand and he said, now you're saved and now write that down in the front of your Bible and when you... You get to wondering whether you're a Christian. Go read what you wrote. That's the worst imaginable counsel, in my opinion. I tell people, go to John, First John, because he says over and over again, we know, we know, we know that we know God because. And the first commandment that John gives us Is loving God's people. And we should all ask ourselves. Am I delighting. To think in terms. Of my joy. Because. I know that I know the Christ that loves me. Because I love his people. Not just a couple. Not just the one we think. The ones we think are friends. Friends. but those that profess to be his people. Well, you know this guy over here's got a pretty loose life. Mm? Okay, how much are you praying for him? How much are you encouraging him in, in in the things of Christ? And not just the three or four things that are your pet things. You got a TV boy? You don't start there. Love them. Get to their hearts. How can I be praying for you? There's a hundred different ways you could start. But the fact is. Very often. When we say we love people. It's those that like us. When we say we love God's people. Well we like the ones that we get along with. That's not what John's talking about. Scriptures are pretty plain. It's easy to love those that love you. But with a book and a savior in that book who tells us to love our enemies, we've got a spectrum of love that goes past what the world means when it says love. The one who does not love his brother is a liar. He's in darkness. He walks in darkness. A dangerous thing. Does not know where he or she is going and is blind. That's what the infallible word says here. This is sobering. Considering that the theological word book of the Old Testament, which I shared last week, gives this meaning to hate. It expresses, quote, it expresses an emotional attitude towards persons and things which are opposed, detested, despised, and with which one wishes to have no contact or relationship. Close quote. Now, there are times when we have to separate from brethren, at least those who profess to be brethren. That's clear in the scriptures. There are times when there are those that go out from us because they were not of us. That doesn't mean they have to be members of this congregation to be of us. It's talking about those that are born of God's spirit and who gather to worship with and serve the living God. They went out for something else. And in some cases, it's false doctrine because they're not born of God's spirit. Now, we have to leave a church sometimes because we see that the preaching and the teaching is going in the wrong direction. I just had one of my dear friends call me a couple of days ago. In fact, it was Monday and was telling me about the church he was in and he'd been in there for many years and then he began to see the doctrine changing. And it wasn't just different. He had enough sense to know this was going in the wrong direction. He said he heard very little about Christ. But we're not talking about leaving a place because of uh, false doctrine. We're not talking about leaving a place because... It has clearly crossed a line doctrinally that cannot be uh, embraced. Why do you separate from somebody? Why are there those that you want have nothing to do with that are professing to be Christians? There could be good reasons for that. But there are an a- awful lot of bad ones we're living in such a sensitive age, it's kind of like everything pokes us and sticks us and offends us. We need to mature, and we need discernment about what's really worth being concerned about and what isn't. The theological word book goes on to say about hate, It is, therefore, the opposite of love, whereas love draws and unites, hate separates and keeps distant. We describe biblical love then with three words. This was an attempt, most likely a failed one, but an attempt to just bring the thoughts down to immovable truth about love, self-denying self-sacrificing others oriented whatever else you may have in that if those are absent you're not talking about the love that Christ manifested himself and he's the model for the love that we're supposed to be offering manifesting lavishing well that being said <coughs> We now take up that second head. He that loveth his brother. We've considered where we were in part one. Now we want to move directly from that to part two. He that loveth his brother. John says in verse 10, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. He's in the light and he stays there. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He's told us that those that do not love their brethren, those that hate them, are walking in darkness. Which, if you know anything about walking truly in the darkness, that can be a dangerous operation. One evening I thought I heard something. I had gone to bed. The lights were out in the house. I thought I heard something uh, in, in the front of our house, and I got up, and I walked swiftly into the living room and was heading right for the door. I mean, you know, you live in your house long enough. You know where everything is. You don't even have to look. And about five, six feet from the door, I had a crack on my shin. There was a flash of light in my head called pain, And I had no idea what I'd just done. I limped over to the light, flicked it on, and I'd been playing the piano. And apparently, I didn't push the bench all the way in. And it's never there when I walk by. So I just walked confidently right into it. Didn't have time to put on the brakes. I mean, I just hit it. And uh, it made a really huge bruise and a big knot on my shin. The shin is very sensitive. At least mine is. What was the problem? I didn't know. I didn't know what was in the darkness. And let me tell you, a life outside of Christ is just like that. (laughs) Except there are much greater problems than cracking your shin there can be death there can be great injury in the paths that you choose there are emotional physical and spiritual scars you can have all of your days sin is nothing but destruction ever so walking in the light you can see The Christian doesn't stumble over things because he sees. Now that abiding in the light has to do with loving God's people. It's the first command that was given to us here. Let me press on. We want to consider first John's emphasis on the command to love. I don't normally do this. But I, I wanted to tonight to make the point. <clears throat> John doesn't say this and then move on to uh, the rest of the letter without another mention of that. In fact, it's in every chapter. He says in chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, in this The children of God are manifest. Now, how plain is that? Here is something by which you can recognize a child of God. And the children of the devil. You can tell who the children of the devil are. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Now, that's pretty strong language, is it not? You want to know who God's children are and who the devil's children are? Find out if they love God's children. He says, chapter 3, verse 14, We know. We know that we have passed from death unto life. In other words, we know that we've been born of God, that a miracle has taken place, and we have gone from the sphere of Satan and darkness into the sphere of light and God's Son. We know this. How do we know that? He says, because we love the brethren. Now again, You can't plug in your own definition of love here because the model is Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. At the very least, it must be self denying, self sacrificing, and others oriented. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Well, we want that. Hereby we perceive. The love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now that isn't just an nice smile on the Lord's day, a wave, a handshake, a hug, maybe even a holy kiss. Anybody can do that. It is a character of your life to give your life to and for others. He says, My little children, chapter three, verse eighteen, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He says, Uh, let's not engage in mouth religion. That's the easiest thing in the world for the flesh to do. It's easy. We're religious by nature. You can find people in various countries and various false religions that can be nice people. At least for a few minutes. But this isn't talking anything about that. It says stop talking. Stop just using the word. I love you. This is, if I may say, something like a put up or shut up statement. Live in such a way that they know you're giving yourself to them. As I mentioned last week, and I mentioned it again, mothers have something like that built in. They'll lose night after night after night after night. Caring for those babies, nursing for those babies, losing their sleep. And uh, not just when they're babies. Very often, when when they get hurt, they come in running, looking for mama. Sometimes it's dad, and I'm always thankful to see that. But the fact of the matter is that there is a certain giving that speaks far louder than I love you. Chapter 3, verse 23 says, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. How important is that? But what does he follow it with? And love one another. Puts it in the same breath. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. He's the one that loved us and gave himself for us. He is the one who united, the eternal son of God united with humanity. He stepped down, if I can say it that way. And he lived in this cesspool world that hated him. Why? Because he loved his people. And he came for the purpose of dying for them. And that same Jesus said. Love one another as I've loved you. And the commandment here is believe on his son. And love one another. I mean just the fact that they're welded together in the same breath. Should tell you something about the importance of that commandment. chapter 4 verses 7 through 11 beloved let us love one another it's like uh john do you have another note to hit i mean were you like short on material for your sermon so you said i'll i'll do this one because that'll play no he's being guided by the holy spirit and he is talking to people For the purpose of helping them know whether they are walking in the light. So that they know whether they have truly repented of their sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that they know what it means to be a Christian. What it looks like to be a Christian. We'll settle for far less. Well, I'm a good Calvinist. Mm, There's probably going to be lots of them in hell. It isn't just because you have a great confession. Well, I believe the confession. Well, the point is, you've got to believe on Jesus Christ, the living God, and walk with him. Well, I'm against abortion. Well, good. You should be. And you can thump your Bible about all kinds of things that are going on in the world, and you should be praying about them and doing what you can to overcome them in the power of Christ and His gospel. But what we're told here is <clears throat> let us love one another, for love is of God. Isn't that astounding? Every time he brings this up, he brings up something else that we all know is huge. And that's what he's telling us about loving his people. It is huge. Why should we love them? Because he does. He knows all their quirks. He knows all their failures. And he knows more than you do. And he loves them. Love is of God, and everyone that loveth, loving this way, is born of God and knoweth God. There it is again. How do you know? How do you know? Well, I was able to sit down with the pastor, and I said a lot of things. that convinced him that I knew what I was saying about being born again. He doesn't say that. He says, you know this. You love his people. Because we're not all lovable and even some of us that might be considered lovable we've got moments when we're not so do you you know it everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God that he and he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love What a powerful statement. God is love. Now, if he is love and we're in him and we're walking in the light, there ought to be recognizable love in us. Maybe minuscule sometimes. We may drop the ball. But there will be a characterization of life given for others. Not just your family. I mean, your family is important. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not denigrating the family. I have a high view of the family. But if that's all there is to your love, you are missing something significant. God says, look around in the pews. You see that group? Some of them are converted. Some of them are not. Those that profess to be converted, do you take any time getting to know them? Do you take any time seeing how you can be of any encouragement to them? Can you even go to them and say, brother, would you pray for me? Sister, would you pray for me? Is there any genuine Christian self-denying, self-sacrificing, others-oriented about you, about me? Now, when I say that, I don't intend to apply I don't intend to imply that any that 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 never happens here. What I'm doing is what I must do with myself. I'm holding up the mirror of God's word and saying, look and look hard. Look hard. How many times a day do you look in the mirror to fix your hair? Get that broccoli out of your teeth or whatever. Whatever. How many times do you look in the Word throughout the day and say, how do I look? Am I walking in the light? Or am I just ho-hum, part of the culture, but just a little better? Mm -mm, That isn't going to work. It's not going to cut it on the day of judgment. Christians are people that are born again. And born again enters you. Into the light. And walking in the light. Looks like. Loving like Jesus. Well. He goes on to say. Listen carefully. This is still. Chapter 4. Verses 7 through 11. He says. For God is love. In this. There's. A word that he likes to use. Was manifested. That means. It's made known. Made known. Seen. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Ah! Love isn't just something, love does something. Oh, that's when we start getting a hold of it. You have to have the love, but if you have the love, Love does something. It isn't just a noun. It's a verb. I have so much love for him, for her, for they, (laughs) for them. But what are we talking about here, children of God? What are we talking about? Something that is, and because it is, it does. Love does. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. So herein is love. Not that we love God. Uh, no, uh, this was manifested. The love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. The eternal covenant of redemption is the glorious purpose of love in eternity for God's people. And it is manifested. God didn't just sit in eternity and say, oh, I I am love and I just love, 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 love. That love sent his son to die. He sent his son to bear all the wrath and fury of his hatred for sin. And he poured it out on his sinless son for sinful people. And then he saves them because he is love. That should eke out of us one way or another, right? Right? So then he goes on to say, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the appeasement for our sins. Now he concludes something from that God did this. He knew that people were sinful and deserved nothing but hell, nothing but his fury and his outrage. For breaking his law. But he took his own son. And he put him in the place of his people. And he poured out all that fury. On him. He turned away. His own. Wrath. Propitiation means. An appeasement. A turning away. Of wrath. God the offended. Turned away his own wrath. And how did he do it? I mean. I, I, I don't. I don't want to step across the line here. I want to be cautious in how I say this. But what father here. Would take. His son. And pour out all his fury that he had at others on that child who would do that but our heavenly father did he turned away his own wrath beloved he then concludes if God so loved us we ought also to love one another Same note, comes back to the same thing. God loved us so that he gave us his son. Mm. So we need to love one another in a clear, self-denying, self-sacrificing, other-oriented, others-oriented way. (sighs) Chapter 4, or chapter 5 whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. That's comprehensive. Listen again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And there's something else. Everyone that loveth him, him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. If he is birthed a fool such as I into his kingdom, I am to love the others that have been birthed into his kingdom. Notice, everyone, (laughs) whosoever believeth and everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also, everyone, unanimous, If we can say it that way. Well, you know, I'm just not a people person. God made you one. If you're born again, he made you a people person. He wants you to love his people. By this we know. It's almost like he doesn't have anything else to say. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. And for John, the first one on the list was love his people. Well, that's a huge portion of his letter inspired by the spirit of God. Well, let's look at the description of loving our brothers. Let's describe it a little bit. By the way, after spending more time with this, I've determined that we'll we'll do a part three, God willing, next week, should the Lord grant us that. We'll look at what hating your brother looks like, just a few examples, and loving his children, and give something of a catalog so that we might be able to calibrate to that just a little bit. <clears throat> And one, on one hand, we can just say, read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Everything God tells you to do, do that. And everything that he says, avoid, avoid that. So the, let's listen to this description. The word of God teaches us that re, what real love is. And it teaches us what real love does. We want to describe it for a minute. We want to see what it does. It is, and because it is, it does. Romans chapter 13, Paul defines it for us this way. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Boy, sounds like he's been hanging out with John. Owe no man anything but to love one another. You owe it to love God's people. You owe that to them. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. It's righteous to love as Jesus loved. Again, this isn't just, oh, when I see that brother, that sister walk in the room, I just, I'm just filled with warmth and love and affection. That's a good thing. But <clears throat> does your life spend itself for that person in some way? Or do you just like them? Tragically, we like them often because they like us. that's That's not the acid test. Are they born of God's Spirit? Then love them. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. That's what the law is all about. It's good. It is righteous. And it teaches you what righteousness is. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery, etc., etc. That's what real love does. That's how you can start IDing it. And that knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of Darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Oh, wow, that's John's language again. Darkness and light. And it's in the context of loving, loving others. Well, Paul said these kinds of things regularly. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. I'm always troubled by people in a congregation who, in their context, have nothing but lost friends. And that's who they hang with. But they come to church. That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. I'm not saying we cannot have friends that are lost. I do. I know you probably all do. Might be in your family. But what every one of us needs to understand is that God wants us loving his people. Should we love the lost? Of course we should. But it can't be in the same way. The lost have no love for Christ. And you will find out fairly quickly if you're faithful in your walk. Sooner or later, they won't like things that you do or don't do. Even in families. Some people are able to keep the peace all the time and I always stand in awe. But I'm talking about the the folks whose friends are just lost and they like to be with them more than they like to be with God's people. There's something wrong there. Something very wrong. Be kindly affectioned one to another. Brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Honor and encouraging one another. We can tell them what's wrong. We can do that, right? But how good are we at encouraging? For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. You've been set free. What should you use it for? Serving God's people. Enslave yourself to God's people. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's Paul again. Oh, it isn't just John. We could repeat him. Several more times. Peter says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That's an acute command. No phony love. Hi, brother. Hi, sister. How are you doing? Love you. You know, I love you. And then when you're not there, they rip you to shreds to other people. Oh, that's love. No, it isn't. <clears throat> yeah, we love God's people, and we've got something negative to say about everybody. Be careful. Unfeigned love to give ourselves on their behalf. Yes, even people you don't personally like that they give some evidence of being God's children. God loves them. Again, I'm not picking your friends for you. you, uh, As I've said on numerous occasions, God has picked your family for you. He has chosen your family for you. You will be in heaven with people who are not part of your flesh and blood family. And some of your flesh and blood family might be in hell. We love our families. We love them. We love them. I'm not denigrating or lowering them. I'm just saying, we don't find in Scripture that God promises that every single child coming out of a Christian womb will end up in heaven. There are those who would like to plead that. I disagree with him strongly. Only. But notice that he goes on to say, in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned loved of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. A pure heart fervently. It isn't the old like your children when you've told them to do something they don't want to do, gritting your teeth. Uh, murmuring under their breath. This is not how God wants it. With a pure heart. Cleanse your heart and love them fervently. That means self-denying, self-sacrificing, others-oriented. Giving yourself for the brethren. Well, I want to bring this to a close. Let me me close with the description of love itself. James says quickly, love thy neighbor as thyself. If you do that, you do well. John, uh, as we know, has uh, profusely mentioned that in his first letter. So let's look at the description of love itself for just a minute, then we'll bring it to a close. The Apostle Paul tells us, charity, and it means love there, charity suffereth long. How many of you have conquered the issue of patience and you would have no problem saying to anybody, I am a patient soul? Would you? But this kind of love suffers long. It was William Tyndall that gave us the term long-suffering. I like that better than patience. (laughs) Long-suffering. you got to put up with some people a long time. But that's what real love does. A long time of suffering someone's attitude or weaknesses, failures, limitations... Charity suffereth long and is kind. It shows kindness because God is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Well, we live in a culture that vaunteth itself every moment. It's all about me, the individual. My time. Doth not behave itself unseemly? Seeketh not her own? This was one of the things that pierced me with James Durham's encouragements regarding prayer when he said that, he said we need to be thinking about the things we want to pray about and be looking for praying for others, not simply for ourselves. And I... It doesn't mean I can't pray for my wife. It doesn't mean that I can't pray uh, for my diabetes. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is, what do you focus on? What are your prayers about all the time? You know, if you were to give something of a catalog of your prayers, is it just, help me do this, help me do that? Amen. We can get really big sometimes. Help my children. Amen. Now, you should be praying for yourself, and you should be praying for your children. But do you pray for God's children? God's children. Love does. Love doesn't seek its own. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Now, do you love like that? Come on, let's... let's. We've all got certain abilities to read people or not and we can read people a certain way and go, eh, yep, he goes right in that category oh, she's one of those and then it's done it's like, no if this is a professing Christian you're to pray for them and you're to love them and you're not to be easily provoked toward them nor think evil about them And it's really easy to do. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never fails. Love never fails. There's a description of love that's powerful. And every single bit of it can be seen in the life and death of Jesus Christ our Lord. This is how we lived. It's easy to think evil about ourselves. If you know anything about yourself. And you can you can project that onto other people. Oh when I say that I, I mean this. So that's got to be what she means. Not necessarily. We think evil of other people very quickly. or we shouldn't. But we shouldn't. This kind of love, the Lord Jesus Christ came in knowing that he was dying for hell-deserving people. And he came for them and gave himself to them as well as giving himself for them. And that is why when we get confused about loving like Jesus, read Matthew. Read Mark. Read Luke, read John, read him again and see how even the one who worked miracles constantly gave himself to the needs of others. He's exhausted. He goes out into a deserted place with his disciples and everybody follows him. And he looks up and he sees the crowd. What would we say? Not now. We came out here for a break. When I'm done with the break, we'll get back to you. But he could have. He was exhausted. He said, no. We're going to take care of them. And then he, after all that, he even fed them. He cared about people. He cared about their bodies. He cared about what was going on with them. We can care like that. And some of you really have a big heart for loving people in their condition. Some of your prayers just melt my soul. I'm thankful. Mm -mm. But just remember, it's inexcusable not to love God's people. Even those that sin against you. Oh, do I have to? Well, did any of you sin against the Lord today? thought word deed do you still count on him loving you but we should be like that as God's people true enough there are times when people need to repent must repent sometimes we even have to go to the, part, uh, the to the point of setting them out of the church or this or that and this is all part but We need to ask ourselves, how are we doing? Are we walking in the light, looking in the mirror, looking at Jesus and saying, okay, Jesus is the one that shows us how to love. And that's the kind of love he wants from us. You say, well, that's, I don't know how I can work that up. Oh, you never will. You have to get on your knees and pray and trust the Lord and say, Lord, you saved me. In the end, I'm going to be like you. Do your work in me today. Help me to love your people. Help me to, to love like this. Amen. <clears throat> Father, why you would put imperfect and fallible human beings to preach this is difficult for me to understand as it is to do. But, oh God, what fruit it does bear when our hearts and minds are drawn to this word and we must look at what Thou dost command us. Lord, we cannot do a single bit of this without Thy grace, without faith in Thee. Thou art the one that helps us to overcome our sins, to overcome our failings. We thank Thee for the gift of repentance. We thank Thee for the gift of faith. And we thank thee for thy holy word that teaches us what thou dost expect from us. Help us to look in the mirror of Jesus Christ and his word. And I truly thank thee for thy people here. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Help us all to become genuine Sons of God, manifested in love for thy people. We ask it all in thy name. Amen. Well, please stand with me. I usually am looking for a blessing from the scriptures to pour out upon you. But I wanted to end with a brief comment and then the word of God. One commentator tells us that Jerome, the fourth century scholar, tells the story of John. In extreme old age at Ephesus, he used to be carried, carried into the congregation. He couldn't walk anymore. He was either in his 90s or he was a hundred, depending on who you read. He used to be carried into the congregation in the arms of his disciples and was an unable to say anything except, little children, love. One another. At last, wearied that he always spoke the same words, they asked, Master, why do you always say this? Because, he replied, it is the Lord's command. And if this only is done, it is enough. Little children, love one another. Let us go in the name of our Savior.